I'm your host, Arena Antoine, and I mean, welcome back to Self Love Lounge. This is a place that stands for diversity, equity, and inclusion in our pursuit of self-love. Self-Love Lounge is a place to learn about, hold space for, and embrace ourselves deeply. Each episode will bring warmth to being comfortable with the uncomfortable. So let's uncondition our minds together to find love within and forever lead with it. So before we get into it, grab a hot or cold beverage and let's go. Welcome back to self-love lounge. I actually woke up a little weird this morning because I realized we're in like a retrograde kind of phase and it's also the eclipse and I actually had a dream about our guest who's actually here today. In an island, we were trying to record. Island? Yeah, we were on an island. We were like running around trying to record and I always have dreams about real life events. So I know today it's going to be really special. And so I was actually very much um, drawn to your energy like right from the start. And I don't ever like to introduce a guest just because I want them to have the first space and, and to really set the tone. And so how would you like to introduce yourself to us? Hello. Um, oh gosh, I don't know. I'm Jenna Berman. I am never really sure how to categorize or label myself, but I, I live in Vancouver. I'm South African. I work as a photographer. I own and operate a modeling agency and uh, sometimes I act as well. also feel the same way because I feel like I have so many like labels that people or society would try to like categorize me in such a way but I'm never drawn to that just because there's so much layers to us as women especially and it's so hard to live in this day and age where people are just nitpicking you at all times yeah and so to go into our first question why is it important not to compare ourselves to someone else's journey comparison they say comparison is the thief of joy and that is across the board true this is something that With age, it gets easier that you learn. It doesn't help you. It doesn't lead anywhere good. And focusing on a lack that you sense in yourself and that you see somebody else has, it's really just focusing on something that is ultimately never going to support you in your own life. Right. Um, Everyone's journey is completely different. Mm -hmm. I think for me, I've also been forced into a place of not being able to compare myself to the people around me because I've always felt so different and always felt like an outsider no matter where I went. I moved Mm -hmm. around a lot. I was always the new girl or the different girl. So I think I gave up on trying to fit in a long (laughs) time ago and that maybe made it a little bit easier um, Mm -hmm. to not compare myself to people. But um, you know, we're also human and we're all going to have moments where we do that and I think it's important to also be compassionate towards yourself when you do have those moments and you you find yourself slipping into negative mindsets yes Um, because it is a human thing to do and we live in a culture that it's impossible to not fall into that trap yeah you said like three things really important caring that you are different because I also felt very different in high school but I almost like was very angry about being different and I always wanted to fit in in that Mm -hmm. headspace until you grow and then you're like well I'm not gonna do that fuck it I'm just gonna be arena (laughs) yeah me too I think I I would say every time I moved into a new country or city or community Mm -hmm. I always tried in the beginning because you know we want to be accepted we want to feel connected to the people around us and that's a very primitive thing in our brain. Yes. You know, yeah, it's 
I just, I just kind of gave up. I learned to speak in an American accent, which <laughs> I can do very perfectly. I, I love your accent, of, by the way. Uh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, even that is something that I can be self-conscious about sometimes right. because it's something that people can identify right away and know that you're different. And mm -hmm. it leads to a whole host of questions about yourself and all these things. But um, right. I think I definitely tried to mute certain parts of myself throughout my life as I was growing up right. to feel like I fit in more and it never worked. You also touched on like compassion and being more compassionate towards yourself. And that's something that I'm now learning. And it's actually harder said than done almost. And why is that? <laughs> it's so difficult. Well, I think it's not something that's taught to us and it doesn't come naturally based on the world that we live in. Um, right. To have compassion for yourself, you know, that ties into self-love and self-worth and all of yes. these things that are spoken to us a lot as these kind of abstract concepts. But no one really tells you how to do those things and how to have true compassion for yourself. I used to think, when people would tell me, oh, you need to focus on self-love and cultivate self-worth and all of these things. To me, mm -hmm. in my brain, I would think of like, oh, a bubble bath or a manicure. And I would think of all of these external things that I could do. Like no one really told me how to do it because those aren't things that really cultivate self-love. I mean, right. sure, it can be a moment of self-care that supports mm -hmm. that, but it's much deeper than that. And it's not actually fun to do a lot yes. of the work that goes into self-love it doesn't feel good investigating parts yes. of yourself and your life and your past that are a lot more comfortable to not investigate I feel like we're always like introduced to a part of self-love and like of course there's like that I call it like the investment short term and that's like the manicure and like you know getting your hair done and it's fun and it's great and then that's done and it's expired and then you're like left with yeah. the same problem um yeah. and so yeah it's such a weird concept but I know like um the introduction to self-love was like therapy but also just like converse like having conversation with yourself or like poetry like I and I know that you've also been like writing poetry and I just watched your video yeah. right when we connected and I was like, oh my God, this is so crazy because I'm also thinking about like doing something like this and it's so beautiful. Yeah, yeah and it's therapeutic almost, right? It is, yeah. I mean, yeah. I feel like writing poetry and stuff like that for me, it started a few years ago um, mm -hmm. when I went through uh, one of the tragedies that I've gone through and mm -hmm. um, it, was the only, it was the only way that I could really express it to myself it wasn't really for yeah. anybody else um and it just happened naturally yeah I, I really like that because I also when I started to write poetry it was also through like tragedies but also like I don't know like you don't even think about it you're just writing and it's almost coming yeah. from your intuition for me this might sound like a really strange thing to say but after I've meditated at night mm -hmm. and I'm going to bed and I'm lying there and you're kind of half conscious kind mm -hmm. of you know in the clouds that's when most of it comes to me and I I yes. literally will hear full sentences in my head sometimes oh. in like different voices chills that just gave me chills because I actually had the same thing like a few months ago I, I was sleeping like half asleep and then I heard myself like it's basically yourself talking it's your yeah. voice 
Um, and it's like screaming words at you and you're unconscious. You're like, wait, am I speaking? And I'm like, no, I'm not speaking. Who is speaking? It's almost like your higher self. Um, and it's so cool. And it's like, how do I connect more to that? Have you found a way to like connect exactly more to that? Or is it just like a random thing? I think throughout my life, it's been a bit of a random thing that I didn't really have a lot of control over. But right. I'm, I'm- Unfortunately, I think that going through extreme periods of darkness and grief Mm -hmm. and really just feeling like you have nothing to live Mm -hmm. for, which I know that sounds really dark, but you know, something that a lot of people Mm -hmm. go through, um, life happens. I think that being forced into those places can really connect you to yourself because there is nothing else. Yes. For me, it was a little bit involuntary because I have felt much more creative since certain things happened in my life. And I would I would reverse it. I would reverse those things from happening and mm-hmm. get rid of whatever creativity or need for expression I have now. Yeah, because it's almost like you have nothing else to lose almost, which is like a dark thing to say. But I also like when I went through like grief, the universe was like cornering me and being like, you cannot run from this anymore. You have to face it. Creative outlets just started to come up. And so, yeah, like it's super powerful to listen to your intuition. And when that comes, you're like shocked. (laughs) I like what you said about kind of going back to your younger self and expressing almost from that more innocent place because Mm -hmm. when something so horrific happens in your life and you're forced Mm -hmm. into that place it it does feel like you have nothing left but then that also allows you to let go of this idea of perfection that so many people struggle with when it comes to creativity so a lot of people would have an instinct to paint something or to write something um but because of the way we've grown up and been Mm -hmm. conditioned we just don't pick up the paintbrush or the pen because we are so focused on how it's going to turn out that we're not actually focusing on what we want to express and when when you feel like everything is so lost you just need to express something and you're not thinking about how it's going to turn out and then I think that is Mm -hmm. true expression yeah do you ever feel like you have like a grounding space how do you ground yourself back to like Jenna again I do have a literal space I will go in there and I'll meditate I try to meditate twice a day if it's a normal routine in my day or sometimes I'll do one longer one again that's something that people think oh, I don't know how to meditate or I'm not good at it because they think objective is to not have any thoughts going through your head. But That's not the objective. The objective Mm -hmm. is to notice your thoughts. And Mm -hmm. even if you struggle with it, it's going to have the same effect on you and ground you. So I think that for me is probably the best tool that I have. When did you first start meditating? Like what was your introduction to meditation? So I had meditated on and off throughout my life just because I knew it was good for you. But I don't think I really understood it. The the science behind it, because there is science behind it, which a lot of people also Mm. aren't aware of. The first time that I I really incorporated it as a constant part of my life was in 2018, when I was going through extreme grief and burnout, exhaustion. You know, you've seen like people go to rehab for exhaustion, supposedly, and you're always like, really? I didn't Mm -hmm. really know that that was a thing, but then I got there. Mm-hmm. And I was in a really dangerous place, I think. I probably didn't look like that from the outside because I'm a workaholic. So for me, when I'm at my lowest, I'm working all the time, 18 hours a day. I was working right. every single wow. day. And I was excelling at everything that I was doing. 
but I just knew that, you know, something bad was going to happen if I kept going like this. And, right. and I really didn't care if something bad did happen. I ended up at the Chopra Center, um, which is a rehab mm-hmm. facility um, and a wellness space. And people go there for all kinds of different reasons. You know, some people right. have struggled with substances. It, it wasn't substance abuse for me. It was really grief and burnout and mm-hmm. just feeling completely at the end of my rope, a routine there, you wake up at 6am and there's a smoothie and then there's Mm -hmm. um, half an hour of meditation and then there's yoga and Mm -hmm. you have lectures throughout the day and people do come and explain to you the science behind meditation and you learn all kinds of things. And I had, I had no phone for the whole time I was there. I was completely Mm -hmm. disconnected from the outside world, but did half an hour of meditation twice a day. I felt like I could finally just rest mm-hmm. a little bit but again I'm so bad at that that mm-hmm. I had to go to this place where people pay an exorbitant amount of money just to force myself to stop no one was stopping me when I left there I made a commitment to myself to keep that as part of my life and mm-hmm. you know sometimes I fall off the wagon a little bit and I miss a mm-hmm. day or something but that's also fine we are human when I meditate a lot, it ties to confidence as well. And not just like in a superficial way where it's like, oh, I'm just a confident person and like I wear the clothes, but it's like, I truly feel like myself, there's like authenticity. And so my next question for you is how important is confidence where you can be an unapologetic woman in your work, in your life, and also like going through so much trauma? Like, how did you find that? I do have a lot of confidence in those ways. There are many ways where I I haven't had a lot of confidence in some parts of my life, but in my in my work, I've tried to analyze it and I'm not completely sure where it comes from exactly. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something that I had to work very hard to cultivate. I think mm-hmm. for some reason, I have come to the conclusion that in this lifetime and, and confidence in that space is something that goes well for me. So many mm-hmm. other things have not. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, I need to have one puzzle piece fitting perfectly into the puzzle in order for me to go through all these other things. I would say that if you are trying to work on confidence as a woman in these areas, the comparison thing is big. Don't compare yourself to anyone Mm -hmm. and really just trust yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, That's like what you're saying about confidence sometimes being an external thing or like you seem confident on the outside. I think I used to be someone who people viewed as very confident on the outside. Mm -hmm. And then I had all of these internal issues that were evidence that your self-esteem and your self-worth is probably not what you think it is. But it is an internal job and it is something that you do for yourself and not for anybody else. And I mm-hmm. think when yes. you do that, it does show in your work. It reflects. Your life. It does. Even to have like a podcast or like any creative work, there needs to be a moment where you're doing this for yourself, but it's always very negatively perceived because it's like, oh, well, like she's being selfish because she started a business or like she's <laughs> selfish for, you know, doing what she loves. And it's like, I always say this, but I started something for myself, hoping that somebody will like listen to the podcast for themselves to heal themselves. It's not selfish. It's actually intentional. And so like, what is your intake on like being intentional? I do try to be very intentional, but I also don't think that being selfish in that way is a bad thing. I think there's Mm -hmm. a negative connotation to it, but um, yes, ultimately we're all selfish to an extent. And Mm -hmm. just because you are doing something 
that you intuitively feel is good for you doesn't mean that it's bad for others or that it's not going to help people at the same time. Do try to be very intentional. But you know what? Even that for me could be a selfish thing because I only feel okay when I'm aligned with my own integrity, doing things that feel authentic to me and saying things that feel authentic to me. Sometimes that can cause me to overthink. I have a very, very active brain. And (laughs) uh, that isn't always where you find the answers yeah that, uh, it's almost in silence and it's so weird where it's like you find your answers in silence <laughs> I'm like oh my goodness true. it feels counterintuitive sometimes yeah um, but you know that for me I mean this might be a bit of a sidebar but it's something that makes me think a lot about the polarity of masculine and feminine energy yeah not to do with gender but to do yes. with the energies and the masculine <clears throat> energy is much more the world that we live in thinking, doing, hustling, going out and taking what you want, making shit happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's not naturally where I reside. You know, Mm -hmm. I feel very deeply feminine energy for myself. And the feminine is more so about aligning with what you want and not so much consciously attracting it towards yourself, but Mm -hmm. it's more being, it's more in your body. It's more connected to the emotions and how you feel. People have forgotten that you can also achieve just as much or maybe even more by connecting more to that part of ourselves yeah. than the yes. masculine energy that is so prevalent in the world around yes. us. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, that is so true. Because also just connecting with your feminine side, for me, like I'm starting to develop that now. And it's so hard because it's so, it's not shown. And if it is shown, it's like negatively perceived where it's like, oh, well, like, you're like a girl or like, don't fight like a girl. And it's like, what does that even mean? Like, you know, and so how are you able to really connect with your feminine side? And have you ever lost your feminine side? How did you find it if that was the case? I I was completely disconnected from my feminine side for most of my life. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, when I, I went through the loss of my brother and some other things in 2018, I was, yeah, forced to kind of go back to scratch and start all over again and really investigate how I was living and how I was treating myself. As I said, work is something that comes easily for me in this Mm -hmm. life. Fortunately, in my work, I do step into a very masculine energy Mm -hmm. to get things done and to make things happen. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm the boss in all of my work. That's necessary. And that's great that I know how to step into that energy. And I got very, very good at doing that. And I got Mm -hmm. good at doing. And then when everything fell apart, I realized that was not sustainable and it wasn't authentic to myself. I'm at a place now where I can recognize the times that it's appropriate to step into the masculine energies and uh, my work. And then in my personal life, dating, I know that I feel most comfortable when I can just be myself and be the feminine masculinity people think of toxic masculinity and I don't mean that I mean like very solid secure at the risk of sounding woo woo like divine Mm -hmm. masculinity like Mm -hmm. real femininity and masculinity and and these are energies that everybody has in them and some people will land more on one side of the spectrum than the other connecting to the feminine can be really empowering because the feminine has been so disempowered for so Yes. much of history <laughs> yes. uh, if, you, if you go way way back then most um, early civilizations or many of them were matriarchal and yes. were the opposite of now but for me it also annoys me when people talk about women needing to be or just praising women for being strong women mm-hmm. because of course we're strong but mm-hmm. you know even the adjective strong is a quality that's traditionally associated with men Yes. So it's almost as if women can't be valuable unless mm. we're exhibiting these qualities that we value in men. 
So women then feel like you can't be soft and you can't be vulnerable and you can't be emotional and you can't connect to that side of yourself because it's looked down upon. I think ultimately we wouldn't need to empower women if we didn't Mm -hmm. disempower them to start with. And that's not to say that, of course, you know, gender identity and all of these things are so fluid. Yeah, I I really like that you talk about energy because I also talk about it in that way. I don't look at it Mm -hmm. with like specifically with gender Mm because, again, it is fluid. I love I love talking about vulnerability because I see it as like the power, you know, like I see like if you're able to be vulnerable with me, I know that you're actually very powerful. But the minute that you're unable to do that, I know that, you know, there's something in here that's like a little disbalance or like you're not able to do that. So I need to question like, are you strong enough to be with me? When you say, are you strong enough to be with me? That's also can be misinterpreted by people because you're talking about emotional strength and you're Mm -hmm. talking about, um, uh, integrity and someone who's willing to choose courage over comfort. And mm-hmm. to me, like, especially in dating, mm-hmm. that is the, the biggest thing that I look for um, mm-hmm. is integrity. And that's the only way to be authentic and create real connection. And, yes. um, you know, some people will call it like deep talks, but it's like, yeah. actually like you're being vulnerable to sharing your deep core, like, I don't yeah. know, truth, you know, that is missed in this universe sometimes to even tie this to our next question. How do you, okay. So this is like the unknown and like, I'm currently in the unknown and it's kind of scary, but I'm learning to really embrace this, but mm-hmm. how do we find comfort in just not knowing like where your life is heading or where you're going and you're just trusting yourself in this universe. I think it might be more helpful to find acceptance in discomfort than to mm-hmm. try and find comfort in a place that's not comfortable. The truth is, and life has shown me that you never know. The loved ones are not promised, nothing is promised. And mm-hmm. we at any point really have no idea what's about to happen mm-hmm. what's not about to happen. That is so hard to, to feel mm-hmm. at peace with the uncertainty, especially for myself. I'm such a control freak. I love to me know too. what's going on. <laughs> I love, yeah. Sometimes you can't find comfort in that. Um, mm-hmm. And just accepting that might actually be the most soothing thing and knowing yes. that everybody else struggles with the exact same thing. And yeah. we're all kind of here just trying to figure this out together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I completely resonate with that just because I don't know, like, even if you have a set job in your mind and you're like, this is what I'm going to do, mm-hmm. it can change completely in a second. Like in a second, oh, yeah. what you thought was for you is actually horrible for you. But here's something better where the universe is like, mm-hmm. okay, based on your track records, like, let me just remove this because this is not for you. Let me just give oh, yeah. you this and you'll be so much more happier. Had that happened to me where you right. really want something and then mm-hmm. the universe is just like, mm-mm, and it's fun. <laughs> and at first you're like, what the fuck? and then you look back and you're like whoa it's even like with like dating or like friendships like friendships like where you're like oh "Oh my god why did they remove this person I love this person and then you're like oh wait it it wasn't that great (laughs) I actually think relationships of all sorts are mostly where this happens where you know Mm -hmm. something falls apart and you you think that you really wanted that yeah and then clarity comes later yes clarity does come later and it's it comes in the most unexpected ways as well because I think with closure like I've never received closure whenever I felt like it was like okay it's over like give me closure like right now the universe is like no 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 you need to actually like (laughs) learn 
you know, by yourself um, to receive that closure. And it's like, it's not about the person. It's about you. Like, what have you learned since you've been with a person, since you've been friends with this person, since you've had that job? And so it's really like us, like it's like selfish in society's way of viewing us, but it's actually not like we're benefiting you by connecting to us. So like closure it, it doesn't happen by us thinking, okay, I want closure. I want this done now. I want to move mm-hmm. on. You have to feel it and you have to yeah. process it. Yes. And that's that's also this polarity between thinking and knowing something and mm-hmm. experiencing it. Those are two different things. Yeah. But I have a lot of dreams where I'm hearing messages from who knows who. I <laughs> can't explain my dreams. Yes. Yeah. I talk, I talk to a lot of people in my sleep and mm-hmm. Something that was said to me over and over again in my dreams when I was going through this transformation, not that I'm (laughs) done, knowing something and experiencing it are not Mm -hmm. the same thing. And I'm very good at knowing things and analyzing it and figuring it out. And my brain can find a way to do anything and figure Mm -hmm. anything out. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't work when you are stopping yourself from feeling and experiencing Mm. something dreams are like speaking to you because my dreams are just doing things to me and like it's very (laughs) violent I'm probably not feeling things enough in my current life so they're like let me just like give you an experience right now sometimes most of my dreams I can fly I'm having real conversations where I can wake up and remember every word Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time I'm lucid. Oh, lucid. Oh my God. Is that when you're coming out of dreaming. your body? No, lucid dreaming is when you are aware that, mm, that you're dreaming. dreaming. I love to talk about dreams because I mm-hmm. experience crazy ass dreams and they're actually very like powerful and they're so rooted in our life. And so lucid dreaming or astral projection, right? Yeah, astral. I only experience this like accidentally, like I'm not trying to do this. It's so scary because, you know, <laughs> you're like, you're like, why am I like looking yeah. at myself in my bed? Have you ever experienced like anything like with astral yeah. projection? I have. It was also by mistake. Kind of put me off because it was quite <laughs> scary. It was when I was about 18 and I had mm-hmm. moved back to South Africa by myself. I was modeling yeah. and I was having a nightmare. Some guy was chasing me around the city. Mm-hmm. I suddenly woke up and I looked at my phone next to me and it was 402 a.m. Then I suddenly looked up and this guy that was chasing me around the city was standing by my bed. So I'm like, oh my, oh my God, God, I'm still I'm still asleep. I'm not, still to this day, I don't really know what happened. Oh but then I, I finally then thought, okay, now I've woken up. And I would keep waking up and looking mm-hmm. at my phone mm-hmm. and seeing the time. Mm-hmm. And and then I would see the guy and realize I'm still, I didn't know if I was awake or asleep. I had no idea. That put me off astral projection for a little bit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but lucid dreaming, I'm down with. I love lucid dreaming. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I always end up doing things I probably wouldn't do in real yeah. life. Yeah. Because sometimes yeah. you can almost like dream about your past lives. Yeah. And I dream about my deaths of past lives. And I've definitely been on this earth for many, many years. Then I don't think I'm coming back. No, I've seen I enough. <laughs> get out of here you know I've seen enough I've died enough (laughs) but no it's just like super interesting to see your dreams and then come come back to like reality and see how that shows up in your life yeah we need to learn to embrace dreams and like write them down even when you're younger like start really looking at them because that's when you're introduced to this world and then you kind of suppress it but yeah Yeah. I had a dream journal when I was young my mom Um, got me to do it and I'm really thankful for that because I still Mm -hmm. do it sometimes I also find what's more helpful is because dreams go away so quickly when you wake up is yes you just pick up your phone and do a voice note and just 
mm-hmm. say everything that you remember and what just yeah. happened and then you can play it back later and there's often yeah. a lot more detail in there that might be relevant. So we kind of asked your followers, you know, what they wanted to know. And we've got some really awesome questions that are worth diving into. And so the first one that someone wanted to know was, how do you juggle with career and social interaction with friends and family working in the entertainment industry? And is it important to have tough skin? I'm really bad at juggling my work-life balance, something me and my therapist are working on. But luckily, I have a great support system of friends that understand how much I work and that I love it. And I don't want to say where my priorities are because I really do value my relationships over my work. I just work a lot. When it comes to um, being in the entertainment industry and having a thick skin, it's definitely necessary. But, you know, different side of the same coin, I also think it's, as we discussed earlier about compassion, it's natural and human to be affected by negativity. Mm -hmm. And there is so much negativity in this industry, just in the world, even just on social media for people who are not in this industry, because I think that we get affected by these things and then we judge ourselves for being affected. And then that brings on shame and that's not helpful Mm -hmm. for any. So um, it's definitely necessary to have a thick skin. I think I, I learned it a long time. I started working when I was 10. So I, I think it's, you know, something that I reckoned with earlier on, just realizing that ultimately this doesn't matter. Like yeah. what jobs you book or or how many followers you have or mm-hmm. what people think of you from the outside as strangers mm-hmm. really is not going to matter to you one day mm-hmm. when you're lying on your deathbed or one day when we're dead. We're not going to look back and be like, thank God I mm-hmm. have 100,000 or 2 million <laughs> followers. Like no one cares. It's, yeah. it's really not that. And And I've never looked back and and been like, well, good thing I did that movie. Mm-hmm. Or, like, of course you can be proud and yeah. enjoy your work and be happy about your accomplishments. But the thick skin, I think it happens naturally. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think it's good to keep it in its place. The real importance of outside opinions and, you know, the whole yes. circus that is this industry. Mm-hmm. It's just not that important at the end of the yeah. day. Adversity. The more you experience adversity, the more you're like mm-hmm. building that thick skin because then you're like more equipped to handle oh, yeah. whatever situation that went wrong in that one oh, yeah. moment in your life where you're like prepared, you know? For me, unfortunately, having gone through really big traumas, a lot of things that might have affected me 20 years ago, really just don't show up on the radar right now. Mm -hmm. Takes a lot to really bother me. The second question is, can your own love be enough? Can I survive only with my love? No. At the moment, our culture perpetuates this idea that self-love should be enough and Mm -hmm. hyper-independence is something to strive for. Hyper-independence is something that I am working against. Um, I know it's a trauma response, but we've placed so much importance on independence and self-love and all of these things that we've kind of overlooked the fact that we are social creatures and our brains are wired for connection. When you feel not accepted or socially ostracized, Mm -hmm. it activates a part of our brain, the dorsal anterior cingulate that lights up to register what Mm -hmm. we perceive as social rejection. And that's actually the same part of the brain that would be activated if we were to experience physical pain. 
So yeah. if someone were to stab you, it lights up the same way. So connection and being able to rely on the people around you and having a support yeah. network and interdependent is actually a healthier thing. And, you know, having these connections in our life is a physiological need. I kind of go against the, all you need is self-love and mm -hmm. you need to love yourself before you can be in a relationship. All of that is always a work mm -hmm. in progress. Yes. Yeah. And I don't think it's helpful to to try and tell people to strive for something that goes against your basic physiological needs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh my God. I love that you added that, the science behind that too, because I also believe like, obviously I preach self-love and there was a moment when, you know, people would label me as like self-love queen, but it was like, super damaging to me because it's like, there's so much more than just that, you know? And I, yeah. I'm such a firm believer, especially spiritually that we're all connected and like yeah. the more that you surround yourself with so many different diverse people you're kind of like broadening your lens of the world and you're learning mm -hmm. so much more and there's no like I like it just doesn't work in this world if we want to come no. together and actually create change and so like you're absolutely right and there's no like negative connotation with you can't just survive with just your love like it's not designed yeah. in this world in this lifetime even yeah I yeah. think it's very very important to have love for yourself and to cultivate self-worth yeah. And that benefits all of your connections and all of your relationships. Yeah. But it's not possible to survive <laughs> on your own. That's yeah. not the way that this universe was designed. If mm -hmm. it was designed, that's a whole different conversation. You learn through like the heartbreaks. You learn through like yeah. the lessons that you learn. And that's how you actually build your self-esteem or build your self-love. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, like we're all really connected. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the third question was any advice for the young girls struggling to fit in within the society's beauty standards? This ties into the comparison as well, which mm -hmm. we touched on a couple of times. It's so hard because it's so thrown in our faces all day long. And, yeah. you know, I've worked in the fashion modeling beauty industry for so long mm -hmm. that I've, I've seen it. And it is this, this interesting cycle of you know, people want change and mm -hmm. we want to see more diversity and we want to see a more accurate representation of beauty. We want to see visual evidence that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And there are so many different types of beauty. We want that. But there's an interesting part of the psychology behind that where, I mean, I own a modeling agency now. And for mm -hmm. me, it's something I think about a lot because I try to, or I have to sign people that are ultimately going to get work. There's no point for me to sign somebody that I'm not going to be able to get them work. But then it's not up to me who is getting this work and who the mm -hmm. clients are booking. But then if you go to the designers or the brands, they'll say, well, we're booking whoever the public responds to mm -hmm. and what's going to sell our clothing and what's going to sell our magazine. So it is this cycle wow. of where do we start the change? Because mm -hmm. A lot of people will point the finger at agencies or brands or designers, and that's not wrong. You know, everybody needs to do their part. Yeah. But there's also another part where, where are you putting your money? Mm -hmm. Are you supporting the brands that are really making an effort to strive towards inclusion and diversity and mm -hmm. equal representation? And that's something that can be an unconscious thing that I think a lot of consumers don't realize is going on behind the scenes. Yeah, I guess we kind of touched on this, but let's see if we can figure out an answer mm -hmm. for this. But you come across very body confident. Have you always mm -hmm. been that way? That is also something because I started working when I was 10 that I reckoned mm -hmm. with at a much younger age. Um, I yeah. became more aware of it maybe earlier. I just realized is really just no point. 
you know, mm-hmm. comparing yourself to the other girls that you're up against in the modeling yeah. industry, there's really no point. They're going to book whoever they're going to book. Body confidence. I think I'm like anyone. Some days I feel great. And some days mm-hmm. I'm like, I need to not leave the house. That's normal and that's human. No, I haven't always been that way. I think it's also something that comes with age and right. um, and accepting and loving all of the parts of yourself that mm-hmm. maybe don't feel so good in a weird way. It, it yeah. makes you, it really does change the way that you see yourself just even mm-hmm. visually. Yeah. Once you feel more at home in yourself and who mm-hmm. you are, once you have a really strong sense of self and identity yeah. and your values and your self-worth, mm-hmm. you don't really look at yourself in the same way because yeah. it's, it truly doesn't feel as important. I, I know I come across as extremely body confident. It's just that I don't really care that much anymore. Yeah. That's something I'm thankful for. But again, <laughs> I think it's just, you know, so much shit has happened in my life that often the last thing I think about is somebody criticizing my body or the way that I look. I think it's like just finding a home within your body, which is like evolving, like as we're aging and as we're, yeah. you know, becoming women, you know, yeah. my body of what it was and like, I don't know, I, 18 is not what it is at 22, you know? But isn't that such a fucked up thing that we all kind of conditioned to look at our 18 year old? Yes. Or like young teen body as like that's what we're supposed to look like. Yeah. Um, I actually, I was so skinny in my teens Mm -hmm. um, when I was modeling and traveling and I wasn't unhealthy. And I fortunately, I never struggled with an eating disorder, but I was so skinny then and I didn't feel sexy and I didn't feel, Mm. you know, to tie it back into like me feeling more at home in my feminine energy I didn't I didn't feel like a woman and I really like feeling like a woman and I I really like my body to look not like a teenage child (laughs) our bodies are meant to age and bodies are meant to change yeah and the alternative is dying and Mm -hmm. I've reckoned with death a lot in my life this idea that especially as women we're not supposed to age well what would you prefer do you want to die like sounds really crass or blunt but it really is the alternative even this obsession mm-hmm. with like wear sunscreen every day like mm-hmm. yeah but like it's an obsession to the mm-hmm. point where like getting a wrinkle is <laughs> you yes. know like the worst thing that could happen to you yeah it's all very distorted I think it's interesting to even think about how we're also comparing ourselves to our 18 year old body to yeah. now and it's like who I was then also is like completely different to who I am today not just like body wise but just like mindset like outfits like everything oh my god I would <laughs> Never. You know, I would never want to relive my teens or my 20s ever. I would, I would actually oh. rather die. I, that sounds like hyperbole, but it's not. Mm-hmm. I would rather die. Like, right. I don't want to go through any of those things again. I don't want to be that person again. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, no, same. Even like my past lives, I've, as we like oh, kind of I'm good too. To move on. Yeah, same. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this this next question is, how do I stop depending on my friend's validation and availability? Well, availability and validation are different things. Um, Mm -hmm. I would say don't stop depending on your friends for availability. I mean, Mm -hmm. that goes back to interdependence and Mm -hmm. connection and community. But the validation part, I mean, yeah, there's a certain level of that that is also normal and natural that you want to feel socially accepted and validated by your friends. And that's Mm -hmm. a healthy thing to crave and to want and to need. But I would say at the same time as that, just really working on 
self-worth, um, mm-hmm. which again, sounds like one of those abstract concepts that people don't know how to actually do, but mm-hmm. really just getting to know yourself and, and the better you get to know yourself and what you like and, mm-hmm. and valuing your own needs and your own wants as, as importantly as you would value your friend's needs. I mm-hmm. think that retrains your brain to value yourself. And then you don't depend as much on other people validating you from the outside. Tying your self-worth almost to Mm. someone's availability is, um, it's very, it's it's, dangerous. Yes. Very dangerous. And I think like when we're younger, we, we definitely do that because we're so available all the time. And, you know, as we're getting older, also just like knowing who your inner circle is, because whenever Mm. you're feeling like an indication where you have anxiety over a friendship or like tune into that, because there's something that you're telling you like this ain't right. (laughs) That's something that I had to learn as well. And Mm-hmm. You know, we're all also always still learning, but yeah, your anxiety sometimes is just your intuition telling you something's not right. Sometimes we're so busy looking for external help or validation that mm-hmm. what we're feeling is valid or to tell us what's going on when really all you need is the fact that you feel that way and mm-hmm. you really have to trust yourself. My I intuition guess- has been right a hundred percent of the time. Oh, me too. I remember I was going on a date with somebody when I was like a little bit younger and there was a song that came up and it was like, I completely ignored it, dated this guy, ended horribly. And I was like, oh, like that song was indication. (laughs) Oh, I used to be so bad that the universe could literally like slap me in the face and no, he's great. Like I could have red flags thrown mm-hmm. at me like confetti and I would just do it as decorations <laughs> right yeah it's fine we're learning we get I the lessons <laughs> so we have two more tips for finding your own inner freedom and independence I mean I think this ties into just yeah trusting yourself and your mm-hmm. intuition and really listening to yourself I try to give a practical tip and I would say to check in with yourself every few hours throughout the day to really just ask yourself how am I feeling in mm-hmm. this moment what do mm-hmm. I need in this moment? As if you were a six-year-old mm-hmm. child right? or whatever age feels good for you. And it might feel kind of silly in the beginning, mm-hmm. but it really does create this sense within yourself that you are there to meet all of your own needs mm-hmm. in that way. Yeah. Um, again, not that you shouldn't depend on the people around you for normal, healthy things, but um, doing those little things, it's trains your brain to know that oh someone is checking in on me and someone's making sure I have everything I need and I'm good Mm -hmm. and I'm safe and I have a stable foundation to move forward from in life yeah just checking in on you and like just talking to yourself I don't know going in front of a mirror and just I do it in the shower because I love water and I connect with water because it's grounding I do Um, the same thing I'll visualize you know like white light from the universe me too like flowing through me and cleansing me while I'm in the shower yeah me too I love that somebody else does this because when I talk about this they're like what the hell are you saying I usually wouldn't tell people. I don't think I've ever told anybody that I do that. Okay, well, you're not alone because I definitely do it. I recommend anyone to do it as well. And then the last question is, what is your biggest strength? My intuition. Mm. Definitely. As I said, it's always been right. Mm -hmm. I have always regretted not listening to it sooner. I know that's a very simple answer, but that is my biggest strength. I could say also my resilience, although I'm trying to be less resilient. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to just feel more. So I would say my intuition and second comes my resilience. 
those are like hard answers to even reach because some people find it really hard to connect to their Mm -hmm. intuition, find their intuition, don't even know that they have an intuition. So Yeah. yeah, that's a great answer. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would it be? This always makes me emotional. I think I would tell myself that all of the things that make you feel different and Mm -hmm. ostracized and like you don't fit in are actually going to be the things that are assets to you later Mm -hmm. on when you really follow what you need to do and what you want to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, to stop trying to blend in and to stop putting other people's opinions or needs above my own. So I would say, yeah, um, to, to try place less importance on fitting in. I mean, for me personally, I would say spend more time with your brother. Mm-hmm. You have such a kind heart, just like your energy is like pure light, like I just see it. And I just had chills like the entire interview. And for that, like, I'm so thankful that you were on here because we like relate to each other very, very well. And the things that we do is very similar. So like you are definitely a tribe and I'm really honored to be in the space uh, with you. Thank you so much. I yeah. really had a great time. I'm so happy that I was able to do this. I guess like for all the listeners, because I know that I would love to know everything about you. Where can we find you on social media? Do you have any current projects that you're working on? I am currently filming a TV show. Um, I'm not allowed to say what it is, but um, that Mm -hmm. and I am also finishing my book, Going to Release When It's Right. Um, My Instagram is just my name, Jenna Mm -hmm. underscore Berman. And Mm -hmm. my photography is Jenna Berman photo. Yeah, jennaberman.com has my photography work. Some poetry, I think, on it too. Awesome. And you also have your modeling agency as well. It's called Wild Management, wildmgmt.ca or on Instagram it's wild.mgmt. Awesome. So we'll definitely find you all on there. And I wish you the very best and cannot wait to see what you do next and like your TV shows, your poetry. I will definitely be buying it because I love poetry so much. So thank you so much. Likewise.